Welcome to the Ordinals Podcast, produced by Ord Media, featuring the top builders, projects, and investors pioneering Bitcoin inscription protocols and the future of digital artifacts. Welcome everyone to the Ordinals Podcast. I'm your host, Ragnar Leafracer. Today we have a great show going to be talking about the tip of the spear of ordinals, which is inscriptions, inscription services. That's where everything happens. So we're lucky to be joined by Brian Laughlin, also known as Star. Brian, welcome to the Ordinals podcast. Hey, Ragnar, it's good to be here. Thanks for, for, thanks for coming on. So you have interesting experience because you've done, I think, a successful, very interesting NFT collection. And then now you're the co-founder of Ordinals Bot, which is obviously a very popular inscription service. So I feel like you can talk about various different things, different blockchains, different services. What was it like when Ordinals hit? What do you do now? So we're just kind of going to go down that list. And let's start off um, with your experience with NFTs first, so we understand how you see Ordinals. So tell everyone, what is Satoshiables? What can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's my baby. It's my pet project. You know, um, I started that in 2021, actually. So just before the whole NFT boom um, happened, I was knee deep in DeFi projects. So we were coming at the end of the DeFi summer um, and in the end of 2020. And, you know, I had my fair share of rug pulls then on, on multiple different chains, just tie my hand at everything. Um, and then during the world's towards the end of that year of 2020, basically, I started hearing NFTs just being everywhere and everyone's talking about these NFTs. And I knew about them, obviously, from CryptoPunks back in the day and then obviously all the counterparty stuff. And then uh, more recently at the time on Ethereum was the CryptoKitties made a big splash for a moment. So I knew about them. I just didn't really understand if they were going to go mainstream or anything. But then at the end of 2020, everyone started talking about them. So... I thought, you know what, yeah, let's just try something. I've got a technical background. I'm sure I can launch something, but I'm not an artist. So I went on the hunt, tried to find an artist, and I was really fortunate to find our artist who's still with the project, Ayub. He's a young guy from Morocco, and his artwork is very um, retro comic book style. So it was like really what I had in my mind because I was brewing this concept of like, wouldn't it be cool to make a kind of collection based on like the crypto godfather himself, Satoshi, and the whole lore around the fact that nobody actually knows who he or she actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was really captivated from uh, with that since the beginning of my crypto journey. I was like, this is an amazing concept. And then everything that Bitcoin's done for the industry, I just really was captivated by it. And this collection essentially was trying to capture that essence and you know build a little community around that and of, of like-minded people. Um, so me and I have got to work at the end of 2020 basically, and then we launched it in June 2021, just at the perfect time of the NFT bull run on Ethereum. Um, and we sold out that weekend, uh, minted all 5,000 of them, craziest weekend of my life, basically. And then since then, a community was born overnight, and I've been with that community ever since, building it, doing some cool things here and there, pumping out more artwork, building some nice technology, and it's really enjoying the time. And then more recently, as we can just talk about later, as the Ordinals thing just came in like a tidal wave and really kind of energized everything in the space. So, yeah, that's the kind of brief intro of Satoshables, and it's still around today. We're still kicking hard, you know. So. Well, there's some very notable things about Satoshables. So for me personally, Satoshables was the first NFT project that I even like 
cared about or even paid attention wow. to because I come from Bitcoin from 2011, never got into Ethereum or really any other chain besides Monero. And I always thought NFTs were just kind of silly at best. But when I, I saw Satoshables, I'm like, wait a minute, Satoshi? Now that's something I could get behind. But yet you still had to do it on Ethereum, right, of all things, because Bitcoin just wasn't there. So here you were trying to like give a shout out to Satoshi. You're enthusiastic about Bitcoin. You want to do something there. I think there's a lot of value. And I, I do love the artwork. So just I don't like a lot of artwork in NFTs, but I really like uh, what you guys did there. So here you are doing it on Ethereum. And then there's a connection with Stacks. And then lo and behold, Ordinals hit. So you have the NFT background, you have the technical background. So when did you first hear about ordinals? What was your very, very, very first thing you ever did relating to ordinals? Yeah, I think the journey actually begins with Ethereum and then goes to stacks in the middle. So it's, it's fair to maybe give that a mention as well. So yeah. basically, oh, yeah, yeah the, the, my intro to stacks was essentially through Trevor Owens, um, who is, is well known in the stacks ecosystem, of course, and now in the ordinal space. <clears throat> and he actually minted 50 Satoshibles on Ethereum, which was huge. It was huge at the time it came in as an order of 50. I'm like, oh, who's that guy, you know? And uh, he, he slid in my DMs and said, these are really cool. I just minted 50 of them. And I'm like, wow. And then he basically said, I hated that I had to do it on Ethereum, though. They should be on Bitcoin. And I'm like, well, you know, Bitcoin NFTs isn't really a thing. You can't really launch them right now unless it's some counterparty and, and stuff. He's like, well, have you heard of Stacks, basically? And uh, and then I, I fell in love with it, went down the rabbit hole and basically just uh, said, right, listen, these are, you know, um, this is a Bitcoin pro layer two, essentially. They're, they're, they're building on Bitcoin and they've got NFT collections already there. Um, let's, let's say to my community, let's just go and try and make an impact there. Let's see if we can go there and become one of the top projects there, you know? And my community got really behind it. And then <clears> I had to answer the question of how do I do that now? How do I bridge a community and a collection that's already minted on Ethereum? Uh, how do I get that onto Stacks, you know? And I went through the process of like, well, maybe we just launch another 5,000 on Stacks. And then it's like, mm, then you're really diluting the supply and there's 10,000 of them now. I really liked that 5,000 number, number that we had. So I didn't want to do that. And then I thought, what about a bridge, right? An NFT bridge. And I thought I'll just go Google and find one. There must be one already. And this is obviously not between Ethereum and Stacks, right? So uh, I went down the road of like, building one. So we created stacksbridge.com. Um, and essentially it's a, it's, it's a semi-trusted bridge, essentially with automated um, central component, which will essentially, um, you can transfer your Satoshiable from Ethereum and then essentially gets locked in the bridge on the Ethereum side and then we'll unlock its exact ID match on the other side with no burning mechanism. There's an equal amount of Satoshiables on Stacks that there is on Ethereum with the same IDs and just either way they get locked up on either chain. There's only one active at a time. Um, and we launched this, I think it was uh, January 2022 we launched it. And then since then we had around 30% of the collection actually bridge over. Um, but not just that, you know, a lot of my um, community, basically, they also then doubled down on Stacks and, and, and really got out, got involved buying other collections, launching collections of their own, building other tools and stuff all in Stacks. So um, I really did bridge a community over from Ethereum and, and opened that gate. And that was a captivating thing for me. And I thought maybe we can do that more. And we explored that opportunity to maybe try and get more projects over. And some did and, and, and stuff. But um, so we I'm were glad. all in. And, yeah, Sorry. no, I'm glad I'm glad you paused me and talked about Stacks um, because the reason why I say that is because you are another Stacks person who came into Ordinals. You're a Bitcoin fanatic, right? You're in Ethereum, yeah. but Stacks, and you're one of those Stacks builders who was really sort of ready 
I would say, when ordinals hit, maybe than perhaps Absolutely. other people. Absolutely. I think that's the thing that maybe most people don't get is that all of the Stacks community essentially are huge Bitcoin advocates. Like we want Bitcoin to succeed. That's the whole point of building Stacks is to, to make Bitcoin succeed. And uh, the end goal was also of Stacks has always been to melt it away and then just have one-to-one -one Bitcoin transactions and maybe through SBTC and things like that. So that's always been the goal. It's just that when February this year hit, it all went into turbo super drive because yeah. now Ordinals comes along and it has this great resonance with everybody and a great traction. And it's like, okay, what do we do? Do we just like fight this or do we actually go behind it? And luckily the whole stats community really got behind it. And then you've seen the likes of Xverse and Hero come into the space, dominate the wallet space, you know, um, and, and a bunch of other collections coming over, uh, you know, so, it's been a great it's been a great thing for stacks but i think overall it's obviously been a, a great thing for bitcoin in, in general um but it's also highlighted maybe also um the need for layer twos or meta protocols being built on top of bitcoin and i'm i'm pretty sure that that'll be um there'll be a future for that coming quite soon in terms of when other when people really want to start building there's only so much you can do on layer one and then there'll be a great topic around l2 um, Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's it's a really interesting question to see where the ordinal space would be without a lot of that stacks community and stacks builders. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And so when you first, where, when and how did you first hear about ordinal? Because you're a Bitcoin guy, you're an NFT guy. When did you first hear about ordinals? And then what was the first thing you either did or inscribed? Yeah. So I think it was around about mid January. Um, so I had just come back from my Christmas vacation and I was browsing around and. Um, I think it was on Twitter somewhere. I think it was Leonidas mentioned ordinals, and I, I looked. I looked at it. It's interesting, you know, Bitcoin NFTs. Essentially, I thought I thought Stacks was doing that, right? So I looked into it. I'm obviously concerned, and what is this? But then it really just like I don't know what happened, but light bulb moment happened. I thought this is actually huge. This is unbelievably huge. It's actually data on Bitcoin. You know, when you look beyond the NFTs and the JPEGs, it's actually decentralized data layer on Bitcoin. It's got to solve the same problem for, on a level of what Bitcoin can do for payments. It's got to solve the same level for data as well. So I kind of see, seen that instantly and thought this is amazing. And then I dived in, like, how do I do it? You know, what do, how do I make these things? Is it a smart contract? What, what happens, you know? And then read the Ordinals handbook and I thought, okay, it's a theory on top of it. It's not changing Bitcoin in any way. That's cool. Right, I understand that. But how do you set it up? And then I realized it's actually a little bit of a technical hurdle to do. So you need to run your own Bitcoin node. Um, and you need to also then run the ordinal client as well, um, which is like, you know, doable, but it's like a 25 step tutorial and try to you know, set up Sparrow wallet and everything. And me being like, you know, a dumb front end developer, I could just about manage it. But like most retail users could, won't or won't want to go and learn how to do that. So that's when I had the idea of like maybe a service that does this for people would be great. And then, you know, reached out to a couple of, co couple of people and then, uh, basically we started working on it that weekend um and then this was just at the beginning of february and then yeah ordinal spot was born that weekend and we launched it basically um but the first thing i ever inscribed was my pfp the satoshi was number 27 um right. I, I inscribed i inscribed it at like i think it was 1116 so like really early considering now there's over 17 million inscriptions that was like super early um so that was really interesting yeah, and then we were one of the first ones to launch a service that basically automated that process. You drag and drop a file, we inscribe it to the wallet that you give us. So no no technical setup, literally just drag and drop. 
Yeah, I, I, I love Ordinal's bot. I used it when you guys launched pretty early. I'm like, oh, this is what I needed, right? Because I'm not technical. I mean, I've run Bitcoin nodes since, you know, the beginning, but then the Ordinals and it's like, okay. And I, I'm familiar with Sparrow, of course, love Sparrow, but it was just kind of a heavy lift for me. So I love seeing Ordinal's bot and of course some other services, but I love Ordinal's bot. So you guys moved really fast. And I'm wondering why you didn't do like a new collection, come up with a Satoshiables 2.0 or something else. Instead, you kind of went a different route, it, it, the service. So why did you do that instead of coming up with a cool collection instead? Yeah, so obviously um, I'm, I'm running two tracks here, right? I've got Satoshiables project and then I'm obviously co-founder of Ordinals, but so I'm, I'm actually doing both at the same time. And Satoshiables kind of it hasn't found its, its, its real use case yet. You know, we're a great community and it's amazing art and we've built some cool stuff. But like we've not really found that absolute thing that's got to drive us to the next level. And um, I've got a couple of co-founders that I've brought in now on that project. We're really working through it and we've got some really cool things in the pipeline. Um, and at the same time, you know, the question was raised of like, what is the Ordinal's presence going to be like for Satoshables? Mm -hmm. And then I, my first instinct was like, can we try and build another bridge and somehow have a tri triway bridge? And it was like, mm -hmm. well, that sounds like a headache. I'll probably never sleep again if that if I make that, you know. Um, so for the short term, just to get something out there, we had the idea of just doing a 100 limited collection, basically. Um, and then we got Ayub to dust off the old tablet and we, we recreated a bunch of new traits, um, mm. Ordinal's tracksuit and, and Satoshiable's hat. Um, and he actually, I actually had this idea of zooming out as well. So you've seen more of the body on that on this collection, which, which meant he, he had to redraw all of the body traits as well. So they're all redesigned and it's really interesting seeing just the difference between his art work from just a, a year, you know, uh, or a year and a half. Like he's, it's so much more detailed now. It's amazing. So anyway, we created these new traits and I generated 100 of them. And then we did, we gave uh, 50 away to the, to the current holders and various methods to raffles and, and things. And then we actually uh, launched the other 50 via Magic Eden. So we sold the rest on Magic Eden, essentially one of the first, one, I think we were the second project to launch on Magic Eden, basically, uh, through their launch pad. Um, so we have got a presence from Satoshiables on Ordinals, and then we're really trying to figure out the question of, like, how do you get the original collection, make that connection there, you know? So we're really working through that. Um, and then, yeah, with Ordinals, but we had we had the service going, uh, and then it's just been a, a whirlwind ever since, because this is a... This is a business that was just ready to go day one, right? We had we had like thousands of users on day one, essentially, like dying for this product. So we were really fortunate to have a startup project, which just had already demand there. So much so, actually, um, on the first day or the second day, we, we melted the server completely melted. That's so a good it sign. was yeah, it was the um, the Bitcoin punks mint. Mm -hmm. So at the at the at the time, if you looked at their Discord, people were actually saying, "Alan, scribe something for you." All you need to do is send me a thousand dollars, you know, OTC, like trustless, trustful oh. is like, it was a oh. mess, you know, which also filled the gap of like, there's definitely an automated service that has to happen here. You know, like that's, that's, that's not the direction, but what I go in here is these trustful uh, trades over Discord. Um, so as soon as that kind of broke out and their Discord is, Hey, there's a drag and drop service that does this. We got, we got bombarded, but those guys just try to be the first one to inscribe those things. And I think in the end, we inscribed about 80% of that collection. Um, so so that, that was a great start out of the gate, right? We had a brilliant, successful launch. And then since then, it's just been constantly just trying to keep up with the movement because it's it's a 
as we can allude to later, like there's just non-stop things happening every single week in the ordinal space. New meta protocols, new ideas, new concepts. People are just like throwing stuff to the wall and seeing what sticks. And us as a service providers just trying to react and you know keep keep the tool evolving to match these kind of a de- match this demand. You know. Yeah, I, I did notice you guys moved really fast, which I appreciate, and the user experience has been great for me. I think you guys have just struck the right balance of doing things. I wanted to ask you, you said that people are kind of throwing things out the wall and seeing what sticks, and that's good and bad, right? It's it's good to see experimentation. It's good to let the market decide. But then some of the things thrown against the wall, hmm, maybe they're not very good. So I wanted to ask you, how do you guys decide what you're going to support? Because that means like man hours, it means risks, but then you want to give users what they want. Like you guys have .sats, BRC20. So what do you guys look at when you see, oh, here's this new thing? What's your guys' thought process? What are your qualifications to, to do something new? It's a great question. And I think that, you know, we, we want this to happen. I think we wouldn't be here right now unless people really experimented and tried. So we want as much experimentation as possible. If it doesn't work, that's fine. But we, as, as a service provider, do need to take the decision to say, like, what, how far do we go with that? It's almost impossible with a small team like ours to keep up and, and just to to do everything, essentially. It also, like, blows up the UI, makes it really difficult. So at the beginning, you know, .sats was the first one to kick off this whole JSON uh, meta protocol concept. Um, and we, we we thought, that's cool. So we integrated the UI for that. And then BSC 20 came, and then it all just went in fire after that. And we made the decision to say, listen, we can't keep up with this. So what we've, what we've shifted focus to, actually, is to make it more generic for people and give them the building blocks. And then we doubled down on our API, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, and um, we're aiming actually now to become more of an API infrastructure company rather than an, a web app. Um, of course, we've got to have the web app using our API, but we're really doubling down on on the API side and giving people essentially the building blocks to go and then just plug and play. If they want to test something, they can build their own UI, they plug in our backend, um, and then even I'm working on I'm working on an SDK right now, so that literally they can use the components on the front end as well. They can just drag and drop things, the, min- the minting, the fee selection, the, the file upload, all that stuff, make an SDK and give them the building blocks so that we can make it easy for people. So we're not we're not reacting, but we're just giving them the tools to go and do it. And then we can then see really what works. And then maybe we integrate it to that, that way when something becomes as huge as BRC20 came, right? We can then double down on that rather than just like reacting all the time and updating our, and complicating our UI as well, right? We've only got so much space. That makes um, sense. So that's that's what we've been working on. And, and um, yeah, it's worked out great. You know, since then, uh, we've got Xverse and Hero are both using our API. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Emblem Vault's using an API for the inscription side of things. Uh, we've, we're working with, together with Magic Eden as well for some API stuff and some Launchpad stuff. So w- that's really the direction that we're seeing ourselves going. And, and it's it's, um, it's one I'm kind of excited about as well because it opens up a lot more doors. When you give people the tools, they'll build stuff you could never even dream of and think of. And it's like, that's an amazing idea, you know. So we've already seen some people working on some stuff, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought up your API because I wanted to ask you about that because like at Trajan, we we're, we're, have our ordinals strategy that we haven't launched yet. We're working on it and definitely we're like, oh, do we have to build our own service? And we're like, wait a minute, ordinals, what has our API? Hmm, this is interesting. This would really make our lives easier. And you guys do, I think, have a good track record. So what specifically can your API do? right now yeah i think what what stands us apart from everybody else right now is essentially our inscription api right so um we have since day one automated the whole process 
And because it's all automated, our API is just plugged into that, that backend system, essentially. Um, so we have the order endpoint where you can send it a request which has the files in it um, and the fee rate, like how what fee you want to spend on that, basically, um, and a couple of other options. And then once we receive that, we'll send you back an order number and then a payment details. And those payment details include actually the Lightning invoice as well or a payment address where you send the payment to. And then that's it. That's what, that's what you get. It's raw. You can do what you want with it, essentially. You could then build your own UI with, a, with your own payment flow. Um, and then once it's paid, no matter how it's paid, basically, our automation kicks in. We just wait for it to be paid. And once it's paid, we take the file, we inscribe it, and we send it, basically. Um, so by having that flexibility on API, basically, and not really you know, forcing people down any road, you just send us the files and we'll inscribe it for you. That kind of, that kind of makes it as flexible as possible for people just to do, you know, whatever they want with their API, yeah. essentially. Yeah, that's that's great. So I encourage developers to check out the API. Like, again, we're looking at it for some one or two things that we're doing. I think it's very important to kind of decentralize things a little bit to just open it to new people. I mean, good old APIs, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> they, they and, power yeah. And, and any new features we're bringing out, are, we're, we're doing an API first kind of a strategy where, for example, the rare stats feature that we just launched uh, a month ago, we did it on API first and then I, I integrated it into the web app, right? So even the rare stats feature is now really integrated in, into the API. It's, it's actually just as easy as when you send an order, you just specify rare stats uncommon and we'll do the rest. We'll we'll take an uncommon for, from our inventory and then we'll essentially inscribe that file onto an uncommon stat for you. And then the, the the order you get back, obviously the payment will include the, the fee for that and, and the payment. So. I saw that. That was a great feature. Another one that you guys have that I like is, what's the exact uh, title? But it's where the image checker, where you guys will take a file, hash it, and then check it. I thought that was interesting. Can you explain to people what, what that is and why they would want to use it? Yeah, but we call it the hash check. Um we have our own index running, of course, and um, we actually hash every single file and we keep a store of that hash, which make, which means that you can do a, essentially a, a really quick search for any file. And, and then if we can find, we will then search basically the byte, the, the actual byte perfect version of that file and tell you if that's been inscribed or not before. Um, and the reason that's useful is because I mentioned the Bitcoin punks mint, one of the very first collections that minted on ordinals was the Bitcoin punks mint. And this is a so-called byte perfect mint, meaning that they want to take the exact image that's on Ethereum, the exact one, and put it on ordinals. And that way, because it's the exact byte perfect image, you can like do a reverse lookup on, on all the inscriptions and you can basically find what one was first. So what, who was the first one to inscribe this byte perfect punk? Meaning they get it. It's the whole first is first principle that a lot of the ordinal space follows, right? The yeah. BRC20s, first is first, et cetera. And the byte perfect mint follows the same concept. So the first person to inscribe this byte perfect image is the, is the winner, essentially the owner. And um, we, there was a need for it basically due to, for these mints. So with the hash checker, you can upload any file basically, and we'll just run through our index and we'll tell you, yep, it's never been inscribed before. You can click and you can go ahead and inscribe it, or yep, it's inscribed, here it, here it is basically. Um, that's, that's all that does. Yeah, I, I I love uh you know, I love hashing things. It's like a weird yeah. thing that I like to do and checking it and verifying it and and maybe another time we can talk about um, something that Hank came up with was being able to on stacks take a file, sign it, 
and then turn it into an inscription and then you can go back and verify the digital oh, wow. signature. Um, so that's another conversation, but that's just one cool thing that you can do. So I'm glad you guys yeah. have that. I had, that I have a little, a little anecdote as well. Like basically I think it was 2011. So really early. Um, I didn't know anything about Bitcoin or crypto or anything. Um, and I had this idea though, like, Oh, that's quite cool. You can hash any file. That's awesome. And then you can use that as a verification. Like you can, you could use that as verifying this as a file and like, Oh, you can actually put that in a, like a timestamp as well. And then you can use that as a verification that you of ownership. And I had this great idea called secure stamp and everything. And we got, I got my friend involved. He's here in Switzerland and like, Oh, I know I've got a server in a Swiss mountain somewhere. We can use that as security. So we had this great thing. And then we have a friend, Dave, uh, from Mexico and, uh, we're like, He's a really smart guy. He was also, he was mining Bitcoin at the time, unbeknownst to me. But I was like, Dave, what do you think about this idea? And he's just like, that's Bitcoin. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, it's all based on hashes and everything. I said, I don't know what that is. And it went in one year and out the other, basically in 2011. You know, so uh, I could have been a really early adopter if I just listened and paid, paid that little bit more attention to Dave, you know. Yeah, well, Bitcoin is is the time chain. Right, it's a time exactly. chain. I, exactly. I remember when it, one of the first. I can't remember what it what it was called at the time, two thousand eleven or two thousand twelve. Someone actually kind of did that, where you could upload a file, right, and it would hash it, and it would insert it in some way. And I can't remember yeah. how. Um, it was a guy from I think Argentina, and it was just that. So yeah, I mean, Bitcoin is the time chain. It's the timestamping service. There's hashing involved, exactly. so it's, it combines your loves, right? Hashing yeah. and art. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, so that's a great service that you have. Um, so going back to Ordinal's bot for a second. So what would you give, what advice can you give for kind of the first time person? They're going to do their first inscription. They're going to use Ordinal's bot. What's something that they should look out for? What, what should they kind of get lined up? So there's no issues as much as they can and explain kind of, yeah. Any advice? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that first of all, you know, it's, it's, um, it's quite expensive, right? It's not as you know cheap as other chains. Bitcoin uh, blockchain putting data on there is a premium real estate. You know, there's only 150 blocks a day, and there's a, a four megabyte limit, so it's very limited in terms of what space you can, what stuff you can put on there, and 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 that makes it a little bit more expensive for the average person. So, um, if you're looking to you know back up some files or you want to do something for to to, to mem memorialize it on Bitcoin, I would definitely like just experiment and, and upload some stuff. Um, and then I would re really recommend that you optimize it first, you know. Um, you can use some great image optimization services out there. Um, um, uh, Tiny Panda, I think it's called, is one. And then there's Kraken.io is another one. And you can actually take a file literally 90% down in file size without losing any visual difference. You, side by side, it looks identical. What you've done there is you've just saved yourself ninety percent of the of the fees that you would cost to put this on chain. So I would definitely recommend if you've got the opportunity to do it, optimize the files the best you can before you inscribe anything. First of all, um, and through Ordinals Bot, actually we have that service built in. So by default, it's checked. So any images you upload with us, we run it through the optimizer automatically. But you can also turn that off if you want to do it yourself, just to have that level of control over the quality and make sure you're it's not over optimizing it. But yeah, that would be my my big takeaway is that basically there's no point in spending that fee when you can optimize the file and you don't have any difference in quality. Um, yeah, I think that's that's the number that's, one thing is yeah. basically optimizing the files. Yeah, yeah, that's the first thing that hit me. You know, when especially when the fees jumped, I thought, do I really want to inscribe this? 
is it really worth it to me or do I want to wait? And I do like that you guys can uncheck that because there's something. So going back to this thing that Hank uh, came up with where you have a digital signature and people can verify it, that is a PNG. And if you compress the file, it, it, you know, no, the signature is no longer valid because the file changes, obviously. So that's why with you guys, that's a service that I recommend because you have the choice. Other services, they will optimize it for you, whether you want to or not. I understand why they do that, but I like that you guys leave that up to the user so then they can decide. Um, yeah, my, my, I'm a UX guy. And, and if, if, if basically two people ask me for it, I'll do it. You know, I mean, like it's no point in the users guide how I design things basically. So I, I love feedback from people and I'll take it on board. And, you know, why not? If people are asking for it, it's just a checkbox at the end of the day. Easy peasy, and yeah. it's done. And you know, so it's good. It's it's noticeable that you you know front end UI guy is is leading this. I mean, it shows in the product. So you brought uh-huh. up price of inscribing, which is important, and I think it goes back to the fundamental nature of ordinals. So as we know, Casey didn't call them NFTs; he called them you know digital artifacts. So we know what that means. It means it's it's obviously not a token, right? But there's something more to that. So um, at Ordinals 2023 conference, which thank you, I forgot. Thank you, thank you for being a speaker at Ordinals 2023. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. It was great. Yeah, th- thanks a lot. You had some good comments there. So um, it, in my in my remarks, I was talking about how artifacts are nothing new. Like you know, you think oh, digital artifacts. This is new. Ordinals is a couple months old. It's like no, artifacts go back tens of thousands of years, where humans have inscribed things. I talked about you know the first real art in the caves. Macau Caves in France. I talked about these um, uh, these stone tablets in Egypt that were one of the first kind of written records that we have that are extremely durable. I talked about the Buddhas in Afghanistan that were carved in stone. So I said, hey, you know, people inscribe meaningful things. And over the years that has evolved. And so now we have a digital version of it. So what to you is the meaning of, you know, digital artifacts versus NFTs? Yeah, it's a great question. I think you nailed it there with those previous historical examples, right? They are artifacts, um, and and I think that resonates more with people, and I think digital artifacts sums it up better. And also, like you say, it's not a token. There's no smart contract involved here. Um, it's not it's not an actual token. So I think that digital artifacts is, is definitely, um, in my mind, a better name for in general for these things on ordinals. And then there's also a different aspect of it. I think Casey might have wanted just to, like, you know, start from scratch and, and, and kind of not have all that baggage that came with NFTs and, and we are in a bear market after all. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's also maybe that concerned with it as well. And I think in general, um, when you look at how he's designed the Ordinal's um, theory, you know, taking away what you're actually inscribing on these things, the actual Satoshis themselves are also, you know, special in his mind. And, and, and on, on, you've got uncommon ones, you've got rare ones. And that's the thing that really excites me about it as well. Like you're, these are real digital gold, you know, like it's, it's these little these little gems that you can find in this big sea of stuff um, without even inscribing anything on top of them. They're already very special. So I really like that concept. I think that maybe it guided him in that direction down the artifact road as well, because um, he's a big comp- uh, proponent of these um, rare sats, he calls them, you know, um, and he's made doc- full documentation about it. And then the community itself has has reacted greatly to them. So I think it all com- all combines basically. There's a, a whole bunch of reasons maybe why he chose that. Um, but I think it's good. It, it kind of separates them. Um, and and yeah, I prefer I prefer the name over NFTs as well. Yeah, good points. You talked about uh, different Satoshi's 
rare, common, et cetera. And that's a good point. In my remarks, I kind of said something similar where, you know, there was an inscription on the cave walls. There was inscription yeah. in stone. There was inscription on actually a t-shirt. Adam Back, he, he did this famous t-shirt of a pearl script, um, basically encryption, because back then the government, class, the U.S. government, classified uh, this, in, this encryption as like uh, like a weapon basically. And you weren't allowed to right. export encryption to other countries. So Adam Beck made this t-shirt that like had that code on it to do that. So that was an inscription. So with Bitcoin, that's another unique thing. We think about, oh, it's fully on chain. Oh, that's the main thing. Well, no, actually you bring up a good point, which is you have these Satoshis and they only have this meaning because Bitcoin is old enough. Like if Bitcoin was yeah. two years old, like kind of who cares that you got a sat from a year ago, right? But because Bitcoin is what, like, 14 years old or, or so. Um, now Bitcoin is the only chain with enough history for these things to matter. And especially since it's pseudonymous, like everyone wants to have a sat from Satoshi, right? I mean, that's that's my goal. I'd love to own a couple of those. So it's it's both the medium, it's just typical art. It's the medium and the message. No, exactly, that's exactly right. And uh, we actually inscribed a collection in collaboration with Emblem Vault. Uh, with an artist called Coldy. He's done great things on, on Ethereum. He's a great artist, great kind of visual uh, artist. And he really loved that the fact that you have to compress stuff down and you can't just uh, mint or inscribe essentially 20 megabytes in one file, you know? He really liked that. And, and he said something that resonated a lot with me on one of the Twitter spaces we did with him. He said, blockchain as a canvas. I thought that's a great thing, you know. So you're you're taking the medium, like you say, that you've got, and you you have to you have to build your art around that, you know. So if the cavemen only had stones around, they've got to inscribe on that, right? So that I think that really resonates, and um, and and it's building this whole ecosystem of of people thinking a little bit more outside the box about what they're inscribing, both because it's more expensive to do and it's limitations and things. But you're going to end up with a, I think, eventually a really fruitful ecosystem of really great art, you know, compared to you know, not to put down any other blockchain, but like you can inscribe, sorry, mint, my, my brain is completely went mint, to inscribing. Inscribe, yeah. Uh, but you can mint, you know, 100,000 NFTs in Solana for like, I don't know, $2 or whatever, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't cost anything. So there's a little bit of like difference there between the, the, the fact that it does cost, there's a little bit of a higher barrier, which I think will overall improve the quality of the, of the, of the, the, the art that's on chain basically you know yeah the long-term value of it because people yeah. are looking okay what kind of sat was it what is then the actual image or text or file whatever it is and so exactly. now that's like a, a double layer of the value of inscriptions and i also like that it's it's sort of brought a circular economy to bitcoin because that's something that i've been working on for many years is trying to have a bitcoin circular economy where people are buying and selling in bitcoin bitcoin's a unit of account and it's it's been a challenge. It's been a real, real tough challenge. But now what's cool about inscriptions is that we kind of have a very small little Bitcoin circular economy. People aren't paying for inscriptions in fiat, right? As far as I know, it's almost all Bitcoin. You can do some stuff with all coins, but basically let's just say people are paying in Bitcoin. And so it's sort of this new value creative tool that doesn't require fiat on ramps. It doesn't really require third parties. You really can have I'll post your wallets, your notes, all that kind of stuff. So it's it's kind of this neat thing that popped up, the ads you tell you. Absolutely, I mean, people now know what sats are, right? That that you know, the, the amount of knowledge that people have gained in Bitcoin over the last six months has been incredible. People coming from from Solana and Ethereum who didn't even look at you know mempool.space, didn't understand how any of it worked. Essentially, they maybe got their Bitcoins from Coinbase and had a little bit in their wallet. 
that, that's their extent of Bitcoin. Now you've got all this retail wave coming in basically from other chains expecting wallets with really nice UI and two clicks and I've got the thing, marketplaces, tooling, you know, everything basically that we have in other chains. And, and now we've got it, you know, and, and the fact that we did it in six months has blown my mind, the, the level the level that we've got to. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the, the amount of education that's happened in the Bitcoin space it, and onboarding has been has been amazing. And if, if, if any hardcore Bitcoiners can't see that, then I don't know what else to do. You know what I mean? Like this has been a, a great thing for Bitcoin. Yeah, when this opposition that's come up to ordinals, especially kind of in the beginning, really surprised me because if you're a cypherpunk, if you are a true sort of Bitcoin OG in the sense of understanding its main value proposition, I mean, how Finney talked about cryptographic trading cards, right? And, and Nick Zabo, he, he wrote a great article called uh, Shelling Out, and he talks about how people mostly use collectibles as money and how important collectibles are. So it's like, wait a minute, Bitcoin is digital money. Well, that's collectibles. That's cryptographic yeah. trading cards. Yeah, it's, it's totally true. I mean, it's a little bit short-sighted to not see it. I think that, first of all, they're, they're just super, super passionate about it, right? Let's not take it away from them. Like mm -hmm. Bitcoin, Bitcoin um, from the beginning has been a real strong community and a lot of people believe it's got to change the world. It's got to be the the thing that will save everything. So there's there's been a ton of, still has a ton of passionate people in the, in the space. And with that amount of passion comes a layer of protectiveness as well. So when big new things come in, it can be scary and like, oh, I don't want to change this and everything. Um, and and yeah. to be honest as well, like the the, the way we're doing these things are, is not efficient. Like we're it's not. I don't think anybody, any decent developer in the space, can agree that this is the best way to do data on chain mm -hmm. but the difference in my mind is we're doing right we've not been arguing about it for two years and then do, yeah. doing nothing it's we've came in and we've just went at it a thousand miles an hour but then that that forces this this wave of iteration and development and, and fine-tuning and getting it better like for example there's no reason why these things have to be human readable on chain right you yeah. could we could have it we could build it in where we we put it down to binary and put it on that way, right? There's no, there's no point in having human readable JSON format there, right? For example, um, and also like the, I think this is coming actually the ability to describe multiple in one transaction, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, the, like instead of just arguing for two years and getting to a point where we don't do anything, the Ordinals community essentially uh, has just went all in and 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 look at the positive thing that's happened in the last six months, and it'll just get better and better as we as we start to. Um, you know, improve things and make it more efficient. Um, and then potentially maybe offload some stuff to NL2 or see where things go. Like the point is we're building and then fixing rather than just loads of Twitter space arguments and all this negativity <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't get anywhere. You know, yeah. look at the last four years that didn't get anywhere. You know, so. Yeah, that's been, I, I, you know, I got kind of burnt out on Bitcoin the last couple of years. I mean, I was just barely hanging in there with, especially with the social, like, drama and just the negativity i was barely hanging in there and i love yeah. stacks it was refreshing you have nfts and all the cool stuff so that was a breath of fresh air but yeah ordinals what's interesting about ordinals is it's been sort of a, a trojan horse in a way right into bitcoin and it just shows how many people care about art and community and identity versus money like we all claim we love money but what's really brought people in is this 
this, you know, art and, and community and identity. And there's also a lot of speculation, people seeing the financial success of NFTs. It's like, well, it's going to be on Bitcoin times 10. So there's that, which is fine. But I think it shows the average person is more comfortable, like understanding this tech from the more like call it creative side of life. Huh, absolutely. I mean, we've, we've got a ton of inbound for, for our launch pad on Ordinal's bot um, from people diving into to NFTs or digital artifacts for the first time, you know, that maybe they're an artist and that this is now the time that they want to jump on chain for something. Um, or we've seen a ton of people coming from different chains like Ethereum and Solana who understand the impact that Bitcoin can have. And then they're they're basically doing what we did with Satoshiables to try to get a presence there. Um, some collections are just dipping in and just bouncing, basically, like like mm -hmm. the uh, you know Yuga Labs did with the twelve fold. Oh, they came in, made a quick eight million bucks, and then just bounced. You know, you're like, well, where are they now? Like that was a that's how not to do it, guys. If you're looking at launching something, mm -hmm. um, definitely go the community route, like Ragnar said. Like that's mm -hmm. where the real the real juice is. Like when when you get involved in the space. We're, we're all kind of building together here and it's a really new thing and we've got a lot of great opportunities and it's bitcoin it's, it's kind of the bitcoin way it's really exciting when you when you legitimately try and come and build a community it's really it's really kind of a rewarding um and then for even just for so the creative side is great and i'm a creative guy that's that's i love seeing that coming out in space but through ordinal's bot we've also been hiring as well because we need to build out the dev team mm. and um a lot of the devs are saying they're really excited to come back to Bitcoin. They started on Bitcoin, their, their, their blockchain development journey, essentially, and then got to the point where, well, actually, there's a lot more things, exciting things happening on other chains. They went to smart contracts on Ethereum or different chains for other reasons. And now all this is coming back to Bitcoin and mm -hmm. they're flocking, they're literally flocking back in mm -hmm. to try and work for a company in the space or build their own thing again. Because now it's just this reinvigorated sense of excitement on Bitcoin from creative and from developers as well. Mm. Um, so it's really interesting. Okay. Well, everyone listen up. Ordlesbot is hiring. So if you're really talented, <laughs> uh, make sure you check them out. They have a high standard over there. But uh, that's that's good. You guys are hiring. Um, but that brings up a good point, which is Ordinals has brought in more talent into Bitcoin because a lot of people did leave. And now they get to come back and they they're not just talent it's talent that has a has a different perspective having been on different chains and seeing what worked but didn't work right they bring sort of fresh eyes to everything and say well wait a minute why was this done this certain way or this is cool this is better or this isn't quite as good have you kind of seen that with these developers coming into bitcoin yeah definitely you know um this, this is a completely different ecosystem right you know when you're when you're talking about there's no smart contracts and the block times are different. So just from a from a UX perspective, there's a lot more a lot of different challenges that that no one's faced before in other chains. I mean, especially the likes of Solana, you're clicking a button and then you've yeah. got the thing. That, you know, it's instantaneous. Near is also another blockchain, instantaneous transactions and, and everything. Um and to now have to make people wait 10 minutes or more on a transaction, it just opens up a whole new UX challenge, which I think that if you're a good UX designer or, or developer, you should be excited about, right? Because it's like you need, you can come into this space and essentially just create the standard for how people are, uh, you know, waiting on transactions, confirming on on, on Bitcoin. We did we did something similar. Like we essentially in, invented inscription as a service. Like that wasn't a thing before we came around. You know, like with, there was other minting services and other chains with smart contract functionality, but we were the first ones to automate 
actually drop, dropping a file and inscribing it into the witness data of a Bitcoin transaction. Like we did that first and I had to build a UI for that, you know, and, and it's really an interesting thing because the UI that I threw together over the weekend has now became the kind of de facto inscription UI. If you look at other services, they all have the kind of similar fee thing, the similar drag and drop file thing. That, and it, I, I love it. You know, it reminds me of the kind of Uniswap days where you, like everyone had a Uniswap clone, like there was like 10,000 Uniswap clones eventually and all the, all using the same UI. And uh, it, so it's an interesting thing. And it, yeah, like you said, like uh, that should be the exciting thing to come in and try and make your mark on, on, on something that's not happened before on other chains, but bring the ideas that do work as well. That's That's really important. Yeah, I think it's so important for people to first inscribe something before they ever buy or do anything with ordinals, yeah. right? I, I just think you really truly understand what it is. You walk through the steps, you get to do something meaningful, whether it's a picture of your dog or or code or whatever it is. I think when you first do that and you wait 10 minutes, 20 minutes and you pay that fee, that kind of hurts, right? Especially if it's, if it's yeah. a busy time, it, it really means something. And you brought up like the friction of Bitcoin versus Solana and near being faster, cheaper. And, and that is kind of difficult for people, but actually it ends up kind of working out for Bitcoin because I think it makes it more meaningful and people have to be more methodical and thoughtful about what they're doing. Oh, definitely. There's a, there's a, there's like a tri trifecta of like things, you know, like when you give up something on one side, you're compromising the other side, right? So Bitcoin is the perfect blockchain in my opinion. Like the security is should be number one, and all the components around it are, are, are leaning towards that security. Right, the block time, the block size limit, uh, the fact that it's you know lasting now a hundred and something years, um, it all adds together into what is now Bitcoin. So you know, we shouldn't be changing Bitcoin in any way, and we should be pushing it to its limit as much as we can and seeing. You know where those limits are, and then have the conversation of like, right, what comes next, and what's on top of Bitcoin, um, and what, how can we, what can we build outside that, but still use Bitcoin as a, as a security layer. Yeah. So you brought up layers. You brought up other chains. So let's talk about, um, you know, scaling in layers for a second. So you, you know, you've done stuff on Stacks. You're comfortable on Stacks, Ethereum, and you know some other chains. So where do you see the opportunity for these layers, whether it's stacks or something else, uh, opportunities, uh, possibilities or not? Where, where do you see that, that going? Because this is kind of an interesting debate. Bob Bodily talks about it. Trevor Owens talks about it. He's sort of an on-chain maximalist. Um, but where do you kind of fall on, on that, those ideas? Yeah, I think I'm a lot about both. But um, now, since my Ordinal's journey, I would definitely be more in the camp of like let's really try and do it on l1 if we can um push it to the boundaries push it to the limits and see what's possible there um and how well basically there's a great technology that's already baked into bitcoin called partially signed bitcoin transactions where with that one bit of technology essentially we've now got trustless swaps we've got marketplaces we've got a ton of other things that are being built just with that simple mechanic built on top of it meaning that uh, I, I, um, partially said Bitcoin transaction essentially is like I'm going to set up a transaction from my side and give it these these inputs and, and specify these outputs and put it out there. Anyone in the world who takes that and signs it on the other side, it'll complete and then it'll go through. So that mental model is just a marketplace, right? You're listing something and someone else is buying it. So marketplaces are down on Bitcoin L1 with zero smart contracts. 
And that's just mind blowing to me, you know, yeah. like we've got, like you've got marketplaces of Bitcoin without smart contracts. It's like, what, you know? So I'm all, that that's really changed my brain to say, right, I think there's a lot we can do on Bitcoin L1. We should really maximize, try to push it to that limit. But like, let's not kid ourselves. It's not, it's impossible to do everything there. And and then there's a serious question of like, should what should be there and what shouldn't be there? It's definitely a good question to consider when you're building something. And, and I think that there'll be an eventual kind of like, explosion of of like l2s and, and meta protocols and and being built on top and then that'll be the narrative um but i think i'm hoping it goes through the process first of like let's try and do it on chain if it's not possible if it's not meant to be there let's then offload it to an l2 but like really crucially having having it yeah. use 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 the bitcoin l1 as a main component of that l2 so that so that the 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 blocks keep ticking you know and, and everything keeps chugging along you need to build a fee market for bitcoin basically and all of these things are leading towards that goal i'm with you on that i i i have the same philosophy of let's maximize l1 first let's see what can be done that's where the people are that's where the liquidity is that's where you know the mutability really is um, and once you push up against that, then let's let's see what where you need to move. And I did this at Trajan. So Trajan is a reputation and identity app. And when Ordinals hit, I hired uh, kind of a freelance Bitcoin developer, very talented. And I said, hey, try to recreate Trajan with Ordinals. And he's wow. very smart. And he went through it and he had a system that he he came up with. And it was interesting, but it. It just couldn't, it's couldn't do, couldn't do it, yeah. it couldn't do what Trajan does. It could kind of do some of it, definitely. But there were trade-offs where I said, you know what? We would get more kind of uh, interest and such by saying we're this reputation identity system on Bitcoin layer one. But I knew long-term it wasn't a good solution for, for various reasons. Um, and so <laughs> I pushed that first. And I was almost going to throw everything into ordinals. And then fortunately, like I was a little more level-headed. I did the work first came back and said, okay, but it was good because then we realized, Hey, wait a minute, right now with stocks, we're storing, you know, data on IPFS. And I, and I realized, wait a minute, we can still store the data of the NFTs as an inscription. So do that part on, on layer one, but this other stuff, identity with BNS names, there's just, it's just not done that way. Yeah. Ordinals. I mean, there's a reason why naming systems haven't been done on layer one. So I'm with you completely there, Brian, on trying to do layer one first, pushing it and then layer twos. Yeah, but you see that level of, of experimentation that you did led you to that role, and then now you've got a solution that you're yeah, integrated to. I think that experimentation is definitely the key thing there. And yet you mentioned something that is almost good enough. And unfortunately for us product owners, the, the, the retail market take almost good enough and then just take it to the moon. But then you're like, you're like, please don't, slow down, slow down. But you've got no choice. It's through the stratosphere. And BRC20 is a perfect example of that, right? Like. That you read the protocol, you're like, hmm. I mean, Domo himself in the top of the dock said, yeah. these are worthless, don't do this. But the retail community didn't care, and and we are where we are now. And I think it's also a great a great thing, right? Like, who, you know, yeah. it's opened up a lot more attention on, in the space, and again, a lot more really interesting uh, discussions. So, yes, it's, it's really funny to see what things take off and what things don't, and how how quickly the retail wave can just sweep things along and take them down the road, you know, and um, and they're not the most efficient by any means, but like it's working and it's making a lot of activity on the network. So yeah, there's a, there's a balance for sure, you know. That's a good point that the best tech doesn't always win. And I did think about that. I'm like, okay, this is not the best way to do this. Like 
for, for some important reasons. But I thought, well, is it good enough? I mean, at the end of the day, like users are the king. It doesn't matter what I think, but I still thought, you know what? No, it, it's a shortcut. And so anyways, but yeah, th those are good points. And I love how overall this conversation is you talked about all the ways that things have worked out in the sense that whether it's experimentations, you talked about UI, um, it's, it's just anarchy yet anarchy has sort of worked and open source software is so messy. It can be so contentious and like just break down into like, and kind of Bitcoin kind of did that, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's amazing. Long live the anarchy, long live experimentation. <laughs> let's keep, let's keep it going and see how far we can take it, you know, and uh, there'll be many more arguments, many more really strong opinions, but that's, that's how stuff gets better, you know? Yeah. Well, I want to close out this conversation. This has been very, very good, Brian. I really appreciate your time. And I Thank think you. this has been really dynamic, but I want to end on my final question for you, which is, do you have any inscriptions that you would never sell or transfer? And if so, what are they and why? Well, man, it has to be Satoshi one number 27. The one that I got uh, way back in January there, it was, I think literally one, one, ID 1,116 or something. So sub 5K, like really, really early. That one's never going anywhere. Also because it's, it is the, it's not, it's my PFP everywhere. And, you know, yeah. I'm really attached to it. So that's probably the one I would never ever sell no matter what. Um, and then, yeah, I've, I've got a couple of other ordinal Satoshables that I wouldn't sell. Um, anything else I would sell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good answer. Yeah, I know like Charlie Spears, he, his answer was, I think it was something, his marriage certificate or is like a poem to his wife or something. Like, you well, better not sell that. You're going to be in the doghouse. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, that's a good good message. All right, well, I'll let you finish out. Where can people, like Satoshables and you yourself, where can people find you? Yeah, so we do a lot of our stuff on Twitter, as everyone does, you know. So um, Satoshables, is, uh, go to twitter.com slash Satoshables to go on that side, and you'll get a link to our Discord. I would definitely recommend jumping in there. We're all a, we're a great community of like-minded kind of people, um, and we have great conversations in that Discord, actually. And then from the Ordinals bot side, you know, a great entry point, again, is twitter.com slash Ordinals bot, and there you'll get a link to the website and our, our, also our Discord for support. Um, and if you're looking to launch any collections there or if you need help building any kind of tool that you try to figure out how to do this on Bitcoin, you know, let us know. Even if we can't help, like we'd love to hear what you're trying to build and we can point you in the right direction. You know, we're really we're quite connected to a lot of people in the space as well. So even if it's not related to inscriptions and it's something else, um, let us just jump in. My DMs are always open and then I'd be happy to help. Thanks. And I can testify that, that Brian himself and, and the team are very open and helpful as much as they can be up with all the stuff they're doing. They somehow manage to often respond to DMs when and if they can. But definitely, I encourage people to check out Ordinals Boss, Satoshables. Uh, Brian, once again, thanks for coming on the Ordinals podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been real fun. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review our show. Subscribe to the Ordinals podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite app, and follow us on Twitter at the Ord Pod. Drop us a line at podcast at ord.media for topics you'd like us to cover or guests you'd like us to interview. Ordinals 2024 conference is taking place in Nashville. Early bird passes are available now. Visit ord.media and sign up for our newsletter. Thanks for listening to the Ordinals podcast. Produced by Ord Media.